ready and hey. inspiring teachers. That's our how to. You're listening to Value Add Value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's our how to. That's our how to. You're listening to Value Add Value. Get it. Go. Value. Value. Value adds value. Now can I just chop it off the dome? Value adds value. We add value to add value. No matter what you do, let it value. It appreciates, never depreciates. Everything you do, you're going to appreciate. Because I'm here with my boy, Mr. B. Freestyling, that's what I used to be. That's what I still do. That's what I still do. Everybody know that's what we still get. Why we still get, that's the reason why we teach. Even though I like to be chilling on the beach, there's some kids in class that I really gotta reach. I gotta give them what they want, but really what they need. They need to learn how to write and also how to read. Cause I know they're gonna be kings and queens. So we need to help them and that's what we about to. You're listening to Value Adds Value. Inspiring teachers, Yep, that's the how to. Value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. You're listening to value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. How-to. You're listening to value adds value. Inspiring teachers. Inspiring teachers. That's a how-to. That's a how-to. You're listening to value adds value. Welcome to this episode of Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger. Uh, Wilkie is going to hopefully cross our fingers and be with us. He's having a little um, problem at home with one of his pets. But if not, we're going to rock without him because we are super excited to have our friend, our friend, Jed Deeryberry on the podcast. Jed, what's good, my friend? Hey, what's up, man? It's good to be with you guys. I know. It, it, it seems like for, it, feels, it feels like it was so close ago, but also so long ago that we saw you at, uh, in Atlanta for Teach Your Heart Out. Agreed. It's, it's already been over two weeks now. Yeah. Um, maybe? Has it been three? I don't two, know. Uh, two weeks. It's it's, two it seems it like you said. It seems like yesterday, and it seems like years ago mm-hmm. at the same time. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I am a little frustrated that Wilkie had a had a video of me from the uh, dance party, and he posted it all over our stuff, and I didn't know it, so it was just yeah, like up there. I saw it. I saw. Ooh, I'm a bad dancer. A little video. No, it was awesome. I'm was a good. Awesome. I'm a good bad dancer. So. Jed, for the people that might not know who you are in our audience of mostly teachers, just give us a little rundown of your bio, uh, uh, you know, just a quick one for us. So my name is Jed Derryberry. I've been in education for 17 years. I um, have done a, a lot of different work in the field. I started in uh, early childhood classroom, first and second grade for 13 of those years. Um, since then, I've been uh, director of professional development for an organization here in South Carolina. Uh, I do a lot of independent work beyond um, that across the country. I um, am affiliated with Teach Your Heart Out, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on Matt Miller's Ditch That Textbook Speakers Bureau um, and got some other things in the works coming up for next year. I'm excited about But uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people call me a teacherpreneur. Um, yeah, man. so I like that word. Um, yeah. my goal everywhere I go is to equip, encourage, and empower, um, mm-hmm. educators. And, and I do that. However, uh, the schools and districts and conferences I work with need me to. I, I do have a side question. This just popped into my head. I, Cause I want to know, like when you post like a quote on Instagram and it's got like the cartoon drawing of you, was that yeah. actually a student drawing or was that like a graphically designed drawing? So that's, a, that's a great question. 
actually about six years ago, a student drew that picture of me in my classroom. It was red nose day. Mm -hmm. um, that's why the little, that's why the nose is red, like a clown nose. He drew that of me um, six years ago and, I, and gave it to me. Said here, is, you know how the kids give you artwork. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so they gave me that and um, I, I hung on to that drawing because I just loved it. And uh, last summer, I decided to totally redo my website. I'd been using just a, a plain old Weebly that I'd managed myself and mm -hmm. I wanted to upgrade that. So I went to a friend of mine who does web design, graphic design. Mm -hmm. She said, you really need a logo. And I was like, I, she designed a couple of things for me and none of them, I, I wasn't feeling any of them. And I said, Hey, I got this drawing that a student made. Could you turn that into a logo? And she saw the drawing. She was like, that's awesome. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And the rest mm -hmm. they say is history. Um, so that's actually a student. Um, that's awesome. Ethan, Ethan Seymour um, is his yep. name. And he is in middle school now. Shout out to um, Ethan. Yeah, shout out to Ethan. And what's cool, his sister, his little sister actually did um, the name where it says Mr. Dayberry. His little sister was in second grade last year. And she wrote my name. Um, and I put the name Mr. Dayberry with the drawing Mr. Dayberry. And voila, we got the, we got the logo. All right. So could you kind of tell one story that really illustrates why you got into the education profession? Okay, so one story uh, that would illustrate why there, I mean, there's so many, so many stories, but to narrow it down is I just had this strong sense of desire to make an impact beyond myself um, with my life. And teaching has been that, that career since the early beginning of, of myself um, that I was drawn to. I used to play school with my Cabbage Patch mm -hmm. doll, Eric. Um, mm -hmm. after I graduated from college, I spent a semester in Africa and Senegal, um, doing some teaching out in the village there. And, um, when you're out in the village uh, of the bush of Africa, you really can just get a lot of clarity sometimes about what mm -hmm. your life is supposed to be. And, and when I came home from there, that's when I, um, really got things going, um, taking the steps to my career. So I just wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Um, that was the main goal. And here I am 17 years later, still trying to do that. Okay. So another question we always like to uh, ask people, you know, cause we're, our, the, the purpose of this podcast is to add value to teachers, you know, which is what you do. That's mm -hmm. why we wanted to have you on. But is there a particular educator that really over your career has really added value to you and really made an impact? So I want to, I want to say one, um, an educator who added value to my last um, and that's Roseanne Garrett. She was my middle school band director. Um, she knew how to play trumpet in sixth grade. And um, she taught me so much more than that throughout my band career. Um, she, she is that teacher for me that just made all the difference. And I've, I've told her that many, many times. She's still a good friend of mine. I just talked to her Saturday. I was delivering a keynote that I do called You, you All Get an F, um, which is a great keynote. I won't spoil what the F stand for. Um, but um, anyway, she's part of that keynote, and I call her during the middle of it, so it's pretty cool um, to mm -hmm. tell her. Uh, the second, um, an educator who added value to me, um, you know, in my career, uh, there's so many. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to just pick one, but if I had to pick the most, um, 
influential educator other than my best friend, Matt Johnson, I would pick probably Matt Miller um, from Ditch That Textbook. Uh, he and I actually used to have a podcast um, together um, called Hooked. Um, and it was like Hook with capital E-D on the end. And it was through the BAM radio network. And we that's how he and I met. And I would say when I met him, uh, my career was at a very pivotal point. Mm. Um, where I'd, I'd started to be recognized for my work and um, he just mentored me in a lot of ways and encouraged me, cheered for me, pushed me, challenged me. Uh, there was, and like I said, there's hundreds of educators that um, who have added value to me throughout the 17 years. But if I had to put my finger on one person who had added the most, it would, it would have to be Matt Miller. Mm. Mm. So on the topic of you starting to get some accolades, I would be thrilled if you could tell the President uh, Obama story because yeah. I find it endlessly entertaining. You know what? It's one of my, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights of my career, if not the highlight. I mean, uh, of course, all teachers, we're, we, we have moments with our students that are, you know, the pinnacle of success, if you will, when a student learns to read or to write or they get that thing that we've been trying to teach them. But Meeting President Obama was just, it was the most amazing thing. I, I met him because I was the um, recipient of the Presidential Award for Excellence in Math and Science Teaching for the state of South Carolina. They picked um, a math and a science winner from every state. Um, and I was the science winner from South Carolina that year. I was actually selected for 2012, but we didn't actually meet Obama till. 2014. It's a bit of a process, but um, it was in March of 2014, and I, along with uh, about 100 other teachers, um, got to listen to him speak in the East Room, and it was snowing that day um, really, really heavily, so all of his schedule was canceled, and he said, hey, you know, I'm supposed to just speak to you guys, but let's, let's do a handshake. Let's meet each other, um, and the whole room just flipped out. You know, we were really excited, so I'm waiting in line. I was near the end, purposefully near the end of the line so I could have a minute to gather my thoughts, think about what I was going to say. You know, it's a big moment and I'm, I'm ready to meet him. I get up there and I say, um, Hey, Hey, President Obama, my name is Jed Derryberry. And I was, I wanted to say I'm from South Carolina, but when I got to my last name, Derryberry, he, uh, he, he stopped me mid, mid, mid word. And he said, Derryberry. He said, what kind of name is that? You know, I just kind of, I chuckled and laughed a little bit and I said, well, what kind of name is Barack Obama? You know? And when I, when I said that, you know, it, it just came out without even thinking. I, I forgot for a split second that I'm speaking to the, to the leader of the free world. <laughs> I, I really think that secret service was over there staring me down or whatever. And um, he chuckled a little bit and he, he said, he said, he said, what do people call you? And he leaned back and he says, Hey, Mr. Derryberry. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what they call me. Um, and then he said that was the best name he'd ever heard. He, he wished his last name was Derryberry. And I said, well, today, sir, you're an honorary Derryberry. And when I said it, honorary Derryberry, it kind of, it's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. And um, he started chuckling. I laughed. We had a great laugh. If you go to my website, mrderryberry.com, there's a picture there. Um, and one of my uh, fellow recipients, um, Christy Snow, is behind me and she is dying laughing um, and the white house photographer captured that moment so it lives forever with yeah. her laugh behind us so i That's love amazing. that 
Um, I, I, I tell that story everywhere I go, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you asked me to tell it again. I'll never get tired of telling it. Um, and if anybody, gets tired of, if anybody gets tired of hearing it, you know, get over it. I met the president. I met President Obama. So Dude. it was pretty cool. Yeah. So we talked, we talked a little bit about Teach Your Heart Out earlier, and I was just so enthralled by your um your keynote to that ended the conference and how you took such a like an innocuous thing the squirrel and how we interact with squirrels in life and you related it so beautifully to what we deal with as teachers so so where did the how did you get the squirrel or what is the squirrel metaphor and and how did you come up with it (laughs) It's so funny how I actually came up with that. I, I was working with a school district in Fishers in Indiana, um, Han- Hamilton Southeast School District, which I love. Shout out to, to my people up there if they hear this podcast. I, I love Fishers. I'll be going back there this summer to work with them. And it was a couple of summers ago, uh, they asked me to do a keynote speech up there and they wanted it to be on creativity and the challenges of creativity in the classroom. What is creativity, how to do more of it, all this, uh, all these things and um, regarding creativity. And, and I had, I had somewhat of a keynote ready um, for it, but the, the, the lady I was working with a lady named Susan drum, who is one of the most awesome people I know. uh, She, she said, we need a catchy title for this. And I was like, I said, well, I don't really have one. She said, well, make one up. She said, make a tie up. And so I was literally riding down the road. I'd kind of put her off for a few weeks, to tell you the truth, because I, I knew what I wanted to say, but I just didn't know how I was going to go about saying it. And I'm, I will tell you, I'm not a um, super big planner before I do a keynote, because I like for it to be authentic. And mm-hmm. I like it to be from the heart, and I like it to be filled with passion and um, excitement. And if I write it out, I'm going to always mess it up. But if I just speak from my heart about the topic, a lot of times, as long as I know the topic, I, I just feel like I do a better job. Right. And, um, and so far, that's been very successful for me. So anyway, I said, fine. I said, here's my, here's my chain. Here's my title. I said, creativity, courage, and change. Because you have to have creativity and courage to make change happen. But there's one thing that gets in the way of creativity and courage and change. And that is squirrels. So I saw creativity, courage, and change. And the real reason I hate squirrels. And the reason I picked squirrels is because I absolutely loathe the creature. Um, you heard my keynote. I have lots of stories about how the squirrels have, have uh, messed up my life. Uh, it was, you know, it's so funny. After, this, after the last keynote um, in Atlanta, I had several people message me and say, wow, I, I can't believe you had so many interactions with squirrels throughout your life. And, mm-hmm. and really, I can't either. But how just off the cuff, I just had to think of an animal I didn't like and and then once I gave her the title, um, I started thinking about all the things that squirrels do that really get on my nerves, like why, why they bother me, you know? And, and that's, the, that's the message um, that I came up with uh, for the keynote. You know, they, squirrels uh, like to steal and um, they annoy. And I won't go through all the points, so I don't ruin the mm-hmm. keynote in case somebody else wants to hear it live one day. But um, those same things that squirrels do um, that uh, get on my nerves are the same things that bad teachers do. Uh, so the, squ- the squirrel is a bad, it's a metaphor for bad teacher. Um, and then I, the reason I use the squirrel too is because I, 
I learned very early on in public speaking that there's three things you have to do when you're giving a good speech. You have to make people laugh, you have to make people cry, and then you have to make them mad. And then um, if you do all three of those things, it'll challenge them to stick with them. And if you can do it in a way with something that connects with them, something they'll see on a regular basis, like a squirrel. Uh, squirrels are all over the country. Um, every teacher I encounter has seen a squirrel, has a story about a squirrel, knows somebody with a story about a squirrel, and they see squirrels um, driving down the road. Sometimes they're dead in the middle of the road, <laughs> but they're on the side of the road, they're in parks, they're everywhere. So every time that they see the squirrel, the story that I tell comes back. And that's part of being a good storyteller is knowing how to connect your audience to um, your topic. And the squirrel is what does that. And I happen to be dressed as a squirrel while I'm doing it. So that makes it even better. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, how hot is the squirrel suit? Oh, it's, it's okay. So if I could just take the, the hat off of the squirrel, you know, the, the hood, mm -hmm. Um, it would it would be about a five six, but you put that hat that hat on there, and it's 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 all day ten hot. I mean it's hot. The inside is actually stuffed full of plastic shopping bags from like Walmart, Target, uh, your grocery store. Um, so it's very very insulated, and there is no heat getting out of the top of that thing, and it's 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 brutal. Um, but the the head's what makes it, and of course the tail, the tail, the inflatable mm -hmm. twist makes it makes it pretty good too mm -hmm. so in your travels seeing teachers being in schools and and having taught for 17 years what are some of those um bad habits that teacher has have or those teachers that can drag down the people who are really trying to have that creativity encourage and make change well one of the points um that i talk about in the speech is um how squirrels can disconnect your power I don't know if you've ever had that experience up there in Wisconsin where mm -hmm. a squirrel a squirrel gets in your the power transformer mm -hmm. and it, it blows it up and you know it disconnects the power. And I think bad teachers are really good at disconnecting the power of a good teacher. And what I mean by that is um enough negativity, enough gossip, enough um nagging, enough um dragging people through the rumor mills of schools by bad teachers um it'll disconnect you from from the power um it's hard it's hard enough to be a teacher in the perfect school but then when you have some backbiting and some fighting and some um gossiping and rumors and all these things that that we can do to hurt each other sometimes whether we mean to or not um it, it disconnects us from the work and when we we as educators become disconnected from the heart of the work and the heart of the work being the, the students. Um, when we become disconnected from all that because of our peers, it, it, it's detrimental to the whole profession. Um, so that's one of the things I think is we've got we've to fix. We've got to learn how to celebrate each other as educators. We've got to learn how to cheer and encourage and build each other up instead of tear each other down. So every time I, I get a chance, I try to, um, encourage educators. Um, you know, one of the things at the last conference I did was I wrote out some, just some little encouraging notes and randomly dropped them in teachers bags. Um, cause I wanted them to walk away full of encouragement and mm -hmm. knowing that somebody was out there cheering for them, not trying to disconnect their power, but trying to connect them to more of it. Um, uh, being connected to conferences like teach your heart out and Matt Miller and his ditch textbook, ditch that textbook world. And, 
and Twitter chats like the one I host on Tuesday nights. Um, being connected to those kind of educators rejuvenates me and restores that power. And mm -hmm. I just want to be a part of that in as many ways as I can. So you've, from what I understand, you've been to a lot of places and seen a lot of schools, right? I have. I have I've been to a lot of schools. I, I've not officially counted, but I would say it's got to be close to uh, six, 700 um, in the last, I don't know, four or five years. So what do you notice as the characteristics of schools that are lacking in squirrels? Uh, this, oh, I'll tell you right now, the, 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 the thing that makes the uh, squirrel uh, flee from a school is a strong culture and climate that is led from the top that is supported by every student or every teacher in the building. Um, uh, if you have an administration that builds up the staff and models what good leadership looks like, um, and it's not just schools, it's any organization. Um, I, I, I work with lots of different organizations and, and institutions, um, higher ed, nonprofits, um, businesses. If you have a strong culture climate, that is modeled and, and, and celebrated from, from your administrators, uh, man, it, it can be a game changer. Uh, I wish that there was a culture and climate class in our higher ed programs. I wish there was constant culture and climate checks um, in our schools uh, that the admins did, that teachers did, that grade levels did. Because um, if, if you have that positive um, working relationship with your staff, man, you can't be stopped. Right. But there, if you let one little squirrel in, um, you know, they can chew the power cords in your attic <laughs> and they can right. ruin everything. So you got to keep them away. And a strong culture and climate does that. It's a good squirrel deterrent. So, so those schools that have the good, the, the strong culture and climate, you know, what is the teacher's role in, in maintaining it and being a part of that climate because I don't remember if it was what you were talking about or if it was what Casey and Jamal were talking about how as a teacher you can always change the climate yourself but I mean because I think we've all been in schools that have wanted to have a good climate but for whatever reason didn't have a good climate so I guess the question I'm trying to ask is if you're in a school that doesn't have a great climate as a teacher can you change that yourself or is your only option to just find a school with a different climate that's a great question so can you change the environment absolutely you you can do small things that make a big difference um but i want to say this first and foremost you have to be in a place where you as an individual are valued and appreciated for the skills and the gifts that you bring to the workplace whether it be your association your um, institution, your school, wherever you are, you, you've got to be valued and appreciated um, in order for that to really happen. Um, I will tell you at, at schools where I've worked, um, I have tried, I tried really hard uh, from time to time to um, help encourage my teammates, encourage my, my, my coworkers. Um, and if the culture and climate is not strong, then, then that's not well received. It actually backfires on you. Um, you can, you can have them. Teachers will take the mentality of, well, who do they think they are? Um, they trying, they're trying to outdo us. They're trying to make themselves look better. 
And it's unfortunate they come across that way. But I think if this, the culture and climate is strong, then, then you can do that. But your original question is, can you change it? Um, you can do little things over time to try to change it. But you know what? I read um, Ron Clark's Move, that, Move Your Bus um, a couple of summers ago. And he talks a lot about not wasting time on the people that aren't going to change. And I think that's something that we do, unfortunately, in education is that we try so hard to fix the bad teacher rather than celebrate the good ones and focus on the good ones and empower the good ones. And a lot of times those bad ones suck the energy right out of us. Um, and Ron Clark says, just leave them alone. They're not going to change, you know. Um, he tells a story about a lady that taught across the hall from him who he just wanted to try to fix, and he wasted all this energy. And at the end of his time doing all that, guess what? She was still the same old teacher. So I think what you need to do when asking the question, can we change it? You've got to, first of all, before you say, can we change it? Is it, is it possible um, that we won't change it? And if, should we waste the energy in the attempt? I, I think that right. um, everybody who listens to this podcast should go buy that book and, and examine where they are. And if it's worth the time and energy um, for a mere possibility of change, um, Right. You know the you know the environment where you are best, and you have to make that call. Um, I always I'm uh, an optimist. I always want to at least try uh, mm -hmm. to make change. Um, but I'll tell you what: if you're in a bad place, and you know I tweeted this out uh, uh, a few weeks ago. I said if you're um, standing behind a, a leader with no vision and no um, path forward, then it's just like standing behind a, a parked car. You ain't going nowhere. Right. Um, so I think, I think that's important for us to remember um, as we try to think about squirrels and how to get rid of them. Sometimes it's just, you know, there's such an infestation of those bad teachers. You have to move on and, and find a new spot. Mm -hmm. So the last kind of content question I wanted to ask you is, is about, you know, your, your kind of social stances and, and the way you're very outspoken um, and the way you talk to Ed Teacher Hardout about, being a, a part of the LGBTQ community as a teacher, especially in a place like South Carolina. So could you just talk about a little bit about what that experience was like for you, both growing up and as a teacher and, you know, any advice you would give both to teachers who are in your situation and for someone like myself, who's trying to learn and grow and, and be more of an ally. Um, I just appreciate you asking this so much, Kyle, because it is something that I'm, very passionate about and i and i want to start getting the story out there um, um, of, um of my um, of my journey has been passionate about it um growing up um i grew up in a conservative area a very conservative area um being gay was always wrong it was sinful it was looked down upon it was frowned upon i was bullied for it um i was scared into secrecy uh, like so many of uh, my LGBTQ friends and family um, are, were, whatever um, their story may be. Um, I actually went to a Christian college and um, went through some counseling, um, was told to pray it away, was told to um, claim my deliverance from it uh, privately and publicly 
I did those things. Um, and I spent years and years um, trying not to be the very person I was created as. And um, I, I want to say this, I love my home. I love my state. I don't want to leave. A lot of people ask me from time to time, you know, if it's hard, if it's hard to live there, why do you stay? Uh, it's because it's my home. You know, it's where I, it's, a, it's my home. It's where my family is. Um, it's where the people I know are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and if, if you, if you run away um, from it, uh, then they win and, and change will never come. So I want to stay here and, and fight for what's right. And, and recently I actually um, have only been openly um, a part of the LGBTQ community uh, since 2012. December 26, 2012 was the day I finally said I'm done pretending or fighting or lying, whatever word you want to put there. And um, I wanted to be authentic moving forward. Um, Since then, I have slowly um, become an advocate. And um, my life has really changed since I started to speak out about who I was and, and, and my own desire for equality and and to be treated with dignity and respect. Um, I growing up here in the South, I know um, what the religious um, pushback is, and so I can I can speak to that uh, with lots of authority. I know what what to say. Um, I, I know what my rights are. Um, unfortunately, um, education in South Carolina still does push back on this. Um, community. Um, I know teachers right now in my state, right now, um, who have contacted me within the last just three months to tell me that their school says um, they can't refer to their spouse uh, as a a wife if they are a female and they're married to a female. They can't use the term wife to just to um, talk about their their spouse. So like where if you were married to a, a woman, you could call your wife a wife because you are a man and a woman but i if i was married to a man could not call my spouse a husband in in the building and it's it's actually happening right now i know another school in south carolina um where um a teacher was told that um if she would accept jesus she wouldn't be a lesbian anymore um i know another place in south carolina that added um uh, faith in Jesus Christ uh, to the leadership of uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of effective leadership for their district training for educators. So these are real things that are really happening. And I, I wish that I could do something about it by myself. Um, but unfortunately, because of the system that we're in, teachers are afraid to speak out. They're afraid of uh, losing their job, but not only that social backlash um has has the potential to really cause a lot of strife so i don't talk about those teachers names publicly i don't tell their school districts publicly um and i won't uh, because that has to be something that they choose to do i don't want to endanger them um, but i definitely want to bring to light my own stories and the things that i've been through um, fortunately for me in the public school system in the public school system i never had a lot of um, backlash, but again, I didn't come out as a classroom teacher um, until 2012, 2013, 
and I never came out to my students um, in the classroom. I was always afraid to do that. Um, and I think that was a wise decision for me at the time to keep it to myself. Um, but all my family, my friends, my principal knew, um, you know, of course it stirred up, a uh, lots of rumors and, and gossip in the faculty rumor mill for a little while, but, mm-hmm. um, that died down and it wasn't like anybody was surprised, I think, but it's been a journey for me, Kyle. It's been, it's been such a journey. And, um, as you know, this last, um, uh, teacher heart out conference, they talked a lot about diversity and equity and, Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time I'd ever sat in a teacher event ever in 17 years in education. First time I'd ever sat in a teacher event and felt seen as a gay male educator. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a powerful moment for me. I, I sit there mm-hmm. and wept as Jamila and Casey talked and, uh, it just made me feel so valued mm-hmm. and I could feel this immense and overwhelming love of climate of teacher heart out it was just a powerful powerful day for me uh, i'll never forget it i'll never forget that day hmm. so so then for someone like myself who is 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 wants to be an ally wants to do what i can especially with the platform we have with our podcast you know what are some of the things that we can do well you know it's interesting that you said that because this week there is a school um that has decided this is going to be called ally week Um, I actually follow a school, a teacher on um, Instagram. Her Instagram name is The Engaging Station. Her name is Stacy Lamb. Um, She's actually a teacher of the year and uh, looks like she's a state finalist. I'm not sure what state this is in, um, but y'all can look her up. Stacy Lamb, The Engaging Station. She works with her um, school's Gay Straight Alliance. And they decided that they were going to label this week Ally Week. Um, And I've been sharing her post um, that it's Ally Week. And some of the things that they, her gay alliance came up with um, on Monday, everybody in the school is going to pick up a rainbow ribbon at lunch and wear it. Um, On Tuesday, they're going to take the pledge. The pledge was to um, be an ally, to stand up for what's right to call out people who use um, normative language, who use homophobic slurs, to be sure, but that's what I have in my mind. Um, Wednesday, they're going to wear a pronoun sticker. You know, not everybody uses the traditional he, she pronoun. Uh, they don't identify using those traditional pronouns, so they're going to wear a sticker to it. And what that does, a lot of people think, well, that's, well, that's silly, wear a sticker. But what it does is it normalizes um, that everybody doesn't use the same thing. And that's very important for you as an ally for this podcast, for anybody who's listening is to help normalize, um, the LGBTQ community. That's why representation in books and movies and television and Netflix and Hulu and prime and all that stuff is so important Mm -hmm. because it says to the world that we're here and we're part of the world and we don't need to be hidden. Um, the reason that people always saw it as abnormal is because the people were in hiding. They've always been here. They've just been hiding because they've been afraid. So Wednesday, wear a pronoun day. That's uh, good. I love Thursday. Um, I can't wait to see the pictures from Thursday. Wear your rainbow colors. So mm-hmm. this Thursday, I'm um, going to find some rainbow gear and wear it proudly 
Um, and I hope allies will be um, dressed in rainbow too. I think it's, it's interesting. A lot of times allies don't want to wear rainbows because they don't want to um, like misrepresent the community or something. Like maybe they think, Oh, right. well, if I wear a rainbow, you might think I'm gay, but the rainbow is the symbol of support for our community. So wearing rainbows shows that you support us and that you're an ally. So um, that's another, another thing. And then on Friday, I need to message her and see what they're doing. It's, it's called national day of silence. Um, and I don't know what that means, um, but I'm curious to reach out to her and find out more um, about that, that um, Friday and the way that they're going to support it. This is something that the gay straight Alliance came up with all on their own. And man, I would love to see that be a national thing. Um, Ally week where uh, our friends, you know, the P flag, the parents and friends of lesbians and gays would come out and just show full force to the world. Hey, we're not going to let them be bullied. We're not going to let them in be intimidated or uh, talked down upon. Um, we're going to stand up for them. And this is the week set aside to remind us to do that. So I, I would love to see a student led um, idea become a national thing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, we're, we're with you though. And I, I you know, like it was, um, at teacher heart out, we were in Vegas too. And Wilkie and I talked about how the tone of, of Atlanta was different. It, it was still that same upbeat family oriented like that, but like you said, they just took on a tone of really, whether it was your talk or it was Eric's talk or Casey and Jamila or the sessions I saw, like people were just really taking on topics. And, and I was really, really proud of it. Like it was really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. When we, um, when we finished up, I think all of us um, presenters knew that something special had happened in Atlanta. Uh, because the title of the conference is teach your heart out. And if, if you're really going to teach your heart out, you've got to get to some deep discussions about some issues um, in our profession. You know, we've got to talk about racism. We've got to talk about homophobia. We've got to talk about inequality, um, whether it be uh, financial, uh, you know, whatever the topic. I mean, we just got to talk about those hard things. We've got to start calling out, um, the bad teachers, we gotta, we gotta start doing those things because, um, if we don't, they're going to attack the heart of who we are. Um, and I think that's so important. Uh, another thing I thought of that may be a good thing for your podcast to do to, to support the LGBTQ community is there's tons of, of, um, community members who are educators on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and social media out there uh, who are doing amazing things. I would love to see y'all, you know, interview those people as often as possible. Of course, I mean, I know you got to mix it up and, and be diverse, right. but just be intentional about including that community right. on, here right. on the podcast, which inviting me on, asking me that question, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, not being afraid of, of some pushback that might come. Right. You know, I know you guys are, uh, you're based up in there in, in Wisconsin. Where's Will based out of? Uh, Houston. Houston and, and traditionally I don't think of those as being areas that are are hard to uh, have equality for LGBTQ community but reality is is that it's tough for us everywhere and and mm -hmm. thank you guys for even being aware and wanting to yeah. to add that to the mix in your podcast so I appreciate that yeah. um if you ever want some other educators so let me know I can, I'm, I can oh you know. and that's the thing you know it, it 
it's so nice when you have somebody that gives you kind of the 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 hey this is my friend would you do that and we would we would be happy to man but I mean like the other thing with the podcast is like I didn't really understand like white privilege and anti-bias and that stuff until like we started really digging into the podcast and having people on who were talking about these things and I think that's just as an educator what I feel so good about you know it, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and I'm just learning these things, like you said, like about culture and, and, and those things. But man, I think my, one of my favorite moments was Juan's um, keynote when he like opened it up talking about his cancer experience. And I was just like, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. I mean, for him to have just led with that and mm-hmm. then gone into the reading piece, I thought was so powerful, but everybody mm-hmm. did like, Eric's story about the kids, you know, the shirt from Africa, man, it was just, right. just yeah. Oh, I'm going to yeah. get all, I'm get all the, all the fields again. If we go, I into, know, I know. I love, I love it. I love that here we are weeks out and, and the fields are still so strong and still so prevalent in our minds and um, kudos to Lisa and Tasha, the right stuff chicks for making mm-hmm. things happen and, and, mm-hmm. and shaking up our teaching world a little bit. I, I'm so, mm-hmm. I'm so pleased and thrilled to be a part of, Mm-hmm. the teacher heart out community and um, i'm looking forward to the, the change they're going to make happen all across the country mm-hmm. all right so as we wrap it up here jed there's there's two questions we always like to end with so the first question we end with is if if you could ensure that every kid learned one thing from you what would that one thing be hands down that would be empathy um, empathy for others who aren't like them and um, i think if if empathy was something we focus more on in education the world would be a better place instead we focus on those scores and the, the grades and and that's not what makes a good human mm-hmm. empathy empathy is what will change the world and and we've got to have more of that um and we've got to have more teachers willing to um step into that realm perfect all right so before we ask you the final question where can the people that want to connect with you find it, find you? Where are the best places? So I was blessed with the last name Derryberry. There mm-hmm. is not many of us, and especially the way that I spell it, um, D-E-A-R-Y-B-U-R-Y is how you spell my last name. And so if you just Google Mr. Derryberry, you're going to find out lots of ways to stay connected with me. Mr. Derryberry is my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, my email. Uh, you just Google Mr. Derryberry and you're going to find lots of, ways to get in touch with me and I hope that they will I hope everybody will um connect with me on Instagram Twitter Facebook drop me a line after you listen to this let me know um your thoughts on the podcast tonight and I look forward to getting to know some of y'all out there Mm -hmm. all right so many years down the road your teaching career is coming to an end what do you hope your legacy is as an educator well one of the things that I say everywhere I go and I've been saying it for good 10 plus years now is love first and teach second. Mm. And I hope that every kid I encounter, every educator I encountered, every parent, every administrator, um, I hope they'll say, man, he just loved the fool out of us. He loved us so much. Mm -hmm. That was his first goal was to show us that he cared, show us that he was our biggest cheerleader, our biggest advocate. He loved us first and he taught us second. And that's what Mm. I hope my legacy will be. Mm. Jed Derryberry, thanks for coming on the podcast, my friend. Yeah, man, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me.